So NASCAR's race last night, by the way, we were correct. Over 1.5 cautions during the final 10 laps of the Daytona 500. So, you know, we're hurting ourselves, patting ourselves on the back here in the fast lane. But in the midst of the delay, after the first of those two cautions that occurred with eight laps to go and wiped out a good chunk of the field, 20, excuse me, not 20 to 14, it was 16 to 14. And then a 20 to nothing run by the end of the Daytona 500 had Virginia Tech cruising over UVA in an emphatic victory. That's how quickly the tides turned. Part of this is Virginia is just not equipped when they hit an offensive rut to battle out of that. Part of that is also Virginia Tech and deserving of the credit that came their way. Because from that perspective, Mike Young was spot on when he said this was the most unselfish defensively that the Virginia Tech Hokies had played all year. We were as unselfish defensively as we were offensively. Um, our work defensively was a sight to behold, and um, we had uh, we had a good plan. Coach Webster, Coach Olinger did a really nice job preparing our team. And that's Mike Young in the Virginia Tech rate or on the Virginia Tech radio network, as you hear every Hokie game on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Uh, maybe a little bit on Talk Radio one hundred point nine when March Madness comes along. We'll, we'll iron that part out when we get there, but unselfishly. For Virginia Tech. Look, if there's ever a game in an opponent where you should be capable of playing unselfish defensive basketball, Virginia is that opponent. Because as great as they are defensively, ranked in the top 10 in adjusted metrics by most of the adjusted you know metrics that are out there, they're also well outside the top 100 in adjusted offensive efficiency or whatever the proper terminology for that is when it comes to college basketball. So it was kind of served up on a silver platter. Also, this fact. There are certain teams where, because of their skill set, they have the ability to do things differently. Virginia is different. It's not quite the triple option, although they're the detractors that would say it's like the triple option. I'd kind of view it more to the Liberty approach, which is kind of a a window dressing version of an option-based attack. Liberty football, uh, the equivalent of that. But for Virginia, they do what they do really well. And as Mike Young alluded to afterwards, it's ultimately a challenge to your team. Can you be disciplined enough to match the discipline of Virginia and bring their level of intensity? And Virginia clearly brought that out of Virginia Tech last night. A lot of the respect that uh, I have for them is is they, they, they're going to do what they do. And they do it very, very well. And there's no smoke and mirrors. There's no... You know, behind door number three, it's coming right at you. Here it is. It sides. It's three game. And uh, can you get? Can you guard it? Uh, we didn't guard it very well up there. Consequently, got beat eight. Guarded pretty doggone well tonight. Yes, they did. They guarded fantastic. Again, this is partially Virginia, which just was it was and is not a very explosive offensive team. I mean, combined in their last two games, they have yet to get the hundred point total combined in their last two games as they won 49-47 against Wake Forest Saturday, and then 75-41 in a game that really could have been even worse than that last night. But for Virginia Tech, they deserve all the credit they get from that performance. Virginia still in the NCAA tournament right now, but losing two of their last three games, 
I think at this point, we kind of know who they are as a team. They're a team that may win a game or two in the tournament. Again, matchups play a big part of that. Um, and if you're Virginia, maybe you almost would rather be an 11 seed playing a 6, given that those are more vulnerable, than say an 8-9 matchup where best case scenario, you might win, and then congratulations. Your second round opponent is Houston, which is basically a better version of Virginia. Better defense, even more physical and reliable offense. Or UConn, which is a souped-up version of what Virginia does. You know, if we're using car analogies here from a, a Feller Chevrolet, you're looking at kind of the you know Virginia Cavaliers or you know the used Volvo, if you will. Not bad, reliable, but clearly there's a limit on what you can get. Then you've got you know we'll go to Motor World for where Houston is. Good, solid, used car that you know you can trust and that can clearly get you there in style. And then the new car, which is Yukon, the Feller Chevrolet car. You know. Houston and Yukon, the Motor World and the Feller Chevrolet cars, respectively, are great options. Virginia, they're not quite shopping in that caliber. And we saw that play out last night. They're kind of the other car lots right now. And Virginia Tech helped expose that. So right now, Virginia is the other version of the car. Not the ones you get that you love from Motor World or Feller Chevrolet, but the one where you go, hmm, maybe I really shouldn't have gotten this car because I'm wondering what might be wrong with it that's going to pop up. Questions you don't ask, of course, when you shop at the aforementioned Motor World and Feller Chevrolet. And Tony Bennett, again, to his credit, but he was as blunt as you could expect last night, which gives us a chance to go into what he said and what he meant. Nothing beats an insightful press conference. I think I realized we got a long way to go. You know, uh, we definitely did some good things, and we did some things that we, we want to take back. We left some yards and some points out there on the field, but for the first time coming out uh, and to get a dub is really a blessing, and we were just happy to have that. That's why you need so-called experts to decipher what's really being said. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. Right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. It's time for what he said and what he meant. True insight into all the cliches and coach speak. Well, every little nugget Tony Bennett says can basically be backed up by the stat sheet. One, that Virginia did not handle Virginia Tech's physicality very well. They guarded us very well. They are very physical. We didn't handle that physicality well. No, they did not. Virginia Tech guarded their physicality well. Mike Young and his staff deserve a lot of credit. They identified what has worked against Virginia, and boy, they leaned into it with that type of mindset. More on that momentarily. And Virginia never matched that, and it was evident in part based on being behind every step of the way defensively. We were behind in every way, shape, and form on the defensive end. Yes, it clearly looked like they were, because from the moment Virginia Tech went to Lynn Kidd and Malijah Poteet in the early going, and kept going back to them, including in that 20 to nothing run that spanned almost nine minutes of the first half, it, it, you clearly had the idea that Virginia Tech, they were locked in, Although the students did not get the free bacon, sorry to you and your friends, Trey, who were not able to experience that. Um, the bigger part is Virginia Tech clearly outplayed Virginia. They thoroughly outplayed us, and that's you know that's that's a tough way to go down. Oh, it definitely is. And Tony Bennett's basically saying, "Look, I'm challenging my team to match this, and in part, 
I'm kind of frustrated because this should not be where we are right now, that the other team is that much the aggressor. That's where, you know, your soundness is really challenged and, you know, you got you got to compete. It was physical and um, the aggressor went, they were the aggressors and they certainly dominated us in pretty much all areas. Dominated us in pretty much all areas. No other way to overanalyze this, Trey. We don't need to look at the stat sheet too much. But Virginia Tech, they were the aggressors, and they clearly dominated the Virginia Cavaliers. And it's right for Tony Bennett to be as critical of his team as he is. Because this is a Virginia Tech team where we know what their limitations are, and you could know what they are and find a way to exploit those. And at no point did Virginia seem like they matched it. Some of it's on the coaching staff for not having the players ready. Some of it's also on the players for understanding what they are as a team because they've leaned into something that Tony Bennett reiterated last night, which is what we've heard from Isaac McNeely, from Reese Beekman, and other leaders on this team, Ryan Dunn included, that this is a team that runs a fine line of having to play with intensity, particularly defensively and Understand when teams are going to get physical with you offensively and matching that because it's a thin margin for error with the way the Virginia Cavaliers are normally constructed, much less this version with not the most prolific offense. Well, they kept showing the quote how they were, you know, a player was saying how they're not good from coming from behind. Um, Yeah, I'm shocked at just the level. I mean, a 20 to nothing run that just doesn't happen. Like, think about, you know, we, and I don't think Tech's going to make the tournament, but like if they played like they did last night, and I, I don't think they would go on 20 to nothing runs, but just how efficient they were and how they played defensively sound, like that's how it, it's kind of a like, where has this been all year from Virginia Tech? Or we've not seen many of this from Virginia Tech, and it all came together in this game against Virginia. And, you know, it's kind of funny. That, you know, I think Virginia will make the tournament. And I don't think Virginia Tech will. But Virginia Tech is actually a higher rated team in Ken Palm than Virginia right now. Very good point, Trey. They like, are. It's kind of, I mean, and they, you know, they beat a top, you know, a top 10 team. They beat Iowa State, who was six last night. I forgot if they beat, did they, I, I don't know if they beat Houston last night, but they were still. No, Houston they, won that game, but yeah. Iowa State. Covered on the latest of lines, which there got go. steamed up. There we go. Always get the best number. Also, the lo- hold on, by the way. Also, if it's that close to the line, it means they're pretty sharp this time of year. My point being that they did beat a top 10 team or top 6 team uh, at this point in the year. Like, it's just, I, I mean, it's like a little bit is, it's a frustrating loss for UVA getting blown out by this Tech team that struggled of late. And two, it's kind of a frustrating win if you're Virginia Tech um, because you're like, you know, where has this been all year? Or where's this peak performance been consistently? Because this team was efficient. Um, You know, I think if this team plays inside out through Lynn Kidd, they're really good. And when they don't, it seems that they can't get the timely baskets that they need. And ultimately, that's what costs them games. It, it's a big part of Virginia's weaknesses that we will continue to discuss later this week. And I mean, look, this is the nature of college basketball as well. The ebbs and flows 
from one game to the next. Part of it is Virginia, they've continued to take care of business against inferior teams. That's why most people have them in the tournament at 20 and 7 and 11 and 5 in the ACC. And Virginia Tech, they have not at 15 and 11, 7 and 8 in the ACC, despite having better Ken Palm rankings and frankly a better overall looking resume with quality wins. There are also really bad losses that Virginia Tech has had uh, in a number of different spots. But Virginia, they've had some too. You know, Notre Dame is one. Virginia Tech doesn't look so great right now, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, the way they lost at NC State, that's getting worse by the week until this past weekend when State went to Clemson. Uh, but you know, those are the reality of where we are right now in the ACC. Speaking of the reality of where we are, the reality of where we are is that we're not quite at spring, but we are quite at the point where you can start looking ahead to spring and identifying when you want to take your family out to the ballpark. Get primed, of course, for baseball season by listening to the Foul Ball Area podcast. Trey and Matt will have you updated on all the stories, including most recently what to expect from Virginia Tech baseball. Uh, and, of course, they'll have full coverage of college and pro baseball as those seasons progress. So subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, the other reality is you can get your tickets to the Lynchburg Hillcats with a $10 food voucher. Good for hamburgers or hot dogs at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Ticket plus the $10 food voucher reserved or general admission tickets. Grab them, select your game, and get some free food on us thanks to InsaneRadioDeals.com. Um, the other thing that that touched on to start the fast lane, and it, it was what transpired in the midst of that 20 to nothing run that took nine minutes of game time, to be specific, uh, was NASCAR and William Byron uh, the number 24 team, many people expect that Liberty University car to be a contender at the end of the year. They are not the definitive favorite just yet. It's too early to say they are the definitive favorite. But they win the Daytona 500 this year. They had a breakout year last year with six wins overall to the season before. And this just validates that the number 24 Liberty University car of William Byron for injured motorsports, that Chevrolet, that they are capable of winning anywhere and everywhere. And it's a fascinating story. If you like the journey of William Byron, plenty of people have made light of the journey in terms of he's a guy that didn't really race cars, whether it's go-karts or quarter midgets or any of the other small local-style racing circuits where guys will start and then escalate themselves to, to bigger rides when it comes to motorsports. He didn't take that route. He's a guy that you know, he's taken online classes at Liberty University. He's also done the uh, online racing to prepare himself for this moment. But sometimes the unconventional path gives you the greatest amount of fire and motivation, as William Byron was clearly willing to admit afterwards. I don't know if I'll ever get that chip off my shoulder. I think it's always been there. It's just I'm very quiet about it. But um, I don't know. There's always reasons to, to find. I mean, we didn't win the championship and, um, you know, we don't get talked about the most. And, you know, other people get more, uh, you know, more publicity, things like that. And I feel like I just whatever I find I use as motivation. And it's just the way I've the way I've always been internally. Um, I don't express that a lot, but it definitely you know, burns inside. And I feel like that's what fuels your off seasons. A lot of times is just what can I find? What little edge can I find to, to be the best? And, um, there's still tons to learn. I can be a lot, you know, more complete in the car. And I feel like your race craft and things are always evolving and, um, you know, just trying to, to be a better version inside the car with my team. 
plenty of high performers would say what William Byron has done, but or what William Byron has said. But are they going to do what he's done? And the metrics, which are win-loss, of course, but also top fives, top tens, they've borne themselves out now over multiple seasons. We've got 22, 23, the start of 24. Again, Daytona is an anomaly, so it's not the one race where, oh, he won the Daytona 500. It's the biggest race in motorsports. Voila, he's the championship favorite. Because the last three Daytona 500 winners, granted they don't have the same skill set and backing that William Byron at Hendrick Motorsports would have with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Michael McDowell, and um, I forget the third one out of that bunch. Austin Cindric. Austin Cindric, thank you. And I know Cindric's kind of got it with Penske, but he's clearly the third rung at Penske behind two-time champ Joey Logano and first-time champ Ryan Blaney last year, both of whom have had more consistent results. But William Byron clearly does have that. You'll need to see more over the course of the year But there's also something to be said for Hendrick Motorsports winning a race where they were good, but they were not the only dominant manufacturer, Chevrolet, or the only dominant team when we saw others that were up there near the win. They just, there's some element of luck that goes into this, which is why William Byron winning, you don't apologize for it, but you have to take it with a grain of salt. And that's where you look back on everything else and say, he is definitively a favorite to win the NASCAR championship based on his demeanor, and frankly, his skill set at all sorts of tracks. He's won the Daytona 500. He's won at Daytona before. He won at Atlanta last year. He's won on road courses like Watkins Glen last year, on shorter-ish style tracks and flat tracks, Martinsville and Phoenix. He's won on more traditional tracks like Texas, as well as Darlington. Yes, he is that type of driver, and he's also found a way to ward off complacency, and ward off doubt as well. For sure. I mean, there's there's a lot of doubt that creeps in. Um, I feel like it goes back to me wondering if I'm right for the sport because I'm so I came in in such a different way, and I feel like there's a lot of things that I didn't learn, like going through go karts and quarter midgets and all those things. And so I kind of wonder sometimes, or did wonder, like, man, if, am I doing it right? Do I have all the ingredients it takes? And um, definitely had to just learn, kind of just grow a little bit thicker skin to be in the cup series and learn what it takes each week and um i feel like that took time that took probably three three and a half years to to really get to that point took a time he outlined the three and a half years and we've seen the multi-year growth of william byron that is what gives me more confidence if i'm a fan of him and the liberty university car than just winning the daytona 500 because we've outlined that in other tapered spacer tracks like atlanta this coming week and talladega in a couple of months and then they'll come back on the schedule over the course of the season but that, that that's the real essence of william byron is it's a multi-year process it's somebody who has leaned into that and therefore you continue to do that over a period of time and inevitably it means you're positioning yourself to constantly be there and to be a threat to win a championship. Speaking of a program that's been threats to win championships regularly, a big change at the helm of this program. You may have heard about it, and if not, we'll fill you in with the latest when we return in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, including perspective from Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com.